the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Kim McNicholas on innovation. Spotlighting successful entrepreneurs, innovators, investors, and industry experts. Their stories and insights can help you become better informed, better educated, and a better investor. Your host is Emmy Award-winning anchor, reporter, and writer Kim McNicholas. Kim has been a journalist at Forbes magazine, a Fox News Channel contributor, vetted more than 3,000 startups, and has been a mentor for entrepreneurs around the globe. Now, Kim McNicholas on innovation. When you think of summer, you think of sunshine, right? And when you think of sunshine, you think of those powerful UV rays which drive you to lather your skin with sunscreen. That ultraviolet light is responsible for your summer tan as well as those nasty sunburns. And too much exposure to UV radiation can damage healthy skin. But did you know that just enough can actually be life-saving? Hello, I'm Kim McNicholas, and welcome to Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Today, we'll meet a scientist who's harnessing the power of the sun to create medical breakthroughs. Dean Irwin is the co-founder and CEO of Raw Medical Systems. It's a medical device company located in Carlsbad, California, and Dean has created what's called an eczema laser. An eczema laser combines gases that react to create a laser light in the ultraviolet range. It's not a new technology, per se. You're likely familiar with it in the use for LASIK surgery, right, to, to do your eyes. Well, the ultraviolet light from the laser is perfect for delicate surgeries such as eye surgery. It's precise in its ability to remove exceptionally fine layers of surface material with no heating, so it's non-thermal, and it doesn't damage the surrounding tissue. The laser energy disrupts the molecular bonds of the surface tissue, which effectively dissolves the tissue in what's called ablation, as opposed to burning. That's why the laser doesn't burn your eye or leave behind harmful residue as doctors reshape the cornea for better visual acuity. Well, now it's also why the laser is the ultimate answer to unclogging arteries with a different recipe of gases that create a longer wavelength. The eczema laser can ablate right through the rock-hard calcium and other buildup in the arteries, and it literally turns the material back into its own constituent components comprised of proteins, lipids, minerals, and water, materials that are already a part of the bloodstream. That's how Dean Irwin is using the eczema laser paired with what's called the Dabra catheter designed to navigate the twists and turns of the human vasculature, to ultimately save lives. And so far, the technology has saved nearly 70 people from having their legs amputated. And more will be saved as the company has now received not only approval across Europe with the CE mark, but it's also received FDA clearance to tackle the toughest blockages in arteries here in the U.S. Dean, congratulations on all of your success and welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Kim. It's great to be here. And first off, the DABRA system, DABRA has to stand for something. Yes, it does. It stands for the destruction of arteriosclerotic blockages by laser radiation ablation. Basically, just the unclogging of the arteries. That's right. (laughs) And I heard your wife is your co-founder. Melissa is your co-founder, and she's your wife. And she was saying you you came up with that in a car ride, what you guys talk about in the car. That's right. So... You know, we've got to have a, a catchy name, and of course, physicians love acronyms, so right. that's where it came from. And so were you always fascinated by lasers your entire life? When you were a kid, did you grow up, did you sit there eight years old and say, I want to develop a laser? Actually, no. At that time, <laughs> I was I was inter- interested in a broad range of okay. science, from astronomy to microbiology, and I dabbled in just about everything, uh, including building uh, some of my own telescopes and things oh, like that. Oh, you're kidding. So- You know, I've always been a a true scientist at heart, multidisciplinary. Uh, I started my career as with a high interest in uh, high energy physics. How did you you get interested in that? Well, it's the study of the universe. So Mm -hmm. it it naturally appealed to me. Uh, But I found out that I had the knack for building things that other scientists needed. Right. And, And with a physicist, that's more theoretical. Yes. And if you have the knack for building. That's more applied. Yes. So, yeah, so I really went into the applied physics area uh, and started working in the area of thermonuclear fusion. Okay. That was in the late 1970s, and that ultimately brought me here to California to work at a company called General Atomics. Okay. And from there, I found that I had a real talent for building things that General Atomics wanted as well. So I spun off and started my first company in 1984. So that was really that aha moment when you went from just physicist to entrepreneur. That's right. I I had a little bit of a business itch, and so Mm. I wanted to practice my skills, but at the same time, uh, run a business. Yeah, what's really interesting about you is just your vast experience that transcends beyond simply, you know, one or even two disciplines, which could limit your impact. A lot of physicists, as we talked about, really have theories, but they struggle with applying it. But your strength is that you're a physicist and an engineer, so you can take theoretical ideas and actually apply them. And then now adding your entrepreneurial prowess, you can really get them to market. So basically, you're a triple threat. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's what I would say. I guess you can say that. you know, along the way, I've I've really worked at uh, honing my accounting skills, right? My marketing skills, and really putting together the infrastructure that a high tech business needs today. And you, know, with engineering, I don't want you to you know to sell yourself. You are cross disciplined. There, you are not electrical, chemical, and mechanical engineer. That that's right. As well as don't forget optical. Oh, and <laughs> quadruple threat. So, yeah, I really enjoy being able to put the different technologies together because that makes for systems that have never been done before. Mm -hmm. So almost everything has electronics in it today. But when you combine that with some chemistry, with optics and with mechanics, you can come up with some pretty fantastic inventions. Did anyone ever say to you, well, you're a little scattered. You have to focus. Actually, no. Uh, Being scattered is great. That really gets my creative juices going. That's how I innovate. You know, yes, being a little bit here and a little bit there allows me to put things together that haven't been put together before. So what sparked your interest then in innovating with lasers? Well, it really started uh, 
at General Atomics back in the very early 1980s when I was working on Maser systems. Now, a Maser is very similar to a laser, only instead of putting out light, it puts out microwaves. Okay, and what do you do with that? Well, at the time, it was used for heating plasmas for thermonuclear fusion. Okay. And I took my knowledge of electronics and how that kind of power system worked and began to apply it to the Exmer laser. Gotcha. So, and- so in the early 1990s, I started working on uh, my first Exmer laser with a very small group, and that was actually to clear out blockages in arteries. Oh, really? Yes. So uh, that was in 1991, and we were working on a very simple system that turned out to be quite complicated, not just from a system standpoint, but from a material standpoint. We had a lot of trouble getting the laser energy to where it's needed inside the vasculature to the blockage in the artery. Oh, gotcha. So what happened? Well, we were using a solid piece of glass, and that was our our only real solution to the problem back then. Right, and explain to people the purpose for the glass. Well, the glass transmits, it's like a fiber optic, and it right. transmits the laser energy from the laser, which is a fairly large box, uh, inside the body to the blockage within the artery. Right. Our problem was is the glass was just too stiff. Gotcha. If we made it too small, it wouldn't deliver enough energy or remove enough material. And if we made it too large, we couldn't navigate the vasculature. That is, it wouldn't handle the tortuosity of our anatomy. Gotcha. Well, coming up, more with Dean Irwin, who will who created an eczema laser, which not only will unclog arteries, but also we'll talk about how it will clear up embarrassing skin disorders as well. We'll continue to follow his journey to these medical breakthroughs next, right here on Kim McNicholas on Innovation. We'll be back in a moment. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Today's show is focused on medical breakthroughs, more specifically with the use of what's called an eczema laser, which utilizes various wavelengths of UV light to create to treat skin disorders and unclog arteries. Eczema lasers aren't a new concept, though. The first was developed by physicist Nikolai Basov in 1970. Well, Kim, that's a little (laughs) controversial, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) It is a little controversial. It was just about that time. But the most widespread industrial application, which I don't think anyone would argue with, um, of eczema lasers has been in deep ultraviolet photolithography, which is a critical technology used to, for example, engrave patterns on the chips you'd find at the heart of your computer. But they're becoming more prevalent in healthcare. All you have to do is pick your recipe of gases to react with one another, and voila, you have a new application. You want to use an eczema laser for LASIK? You mix the gases argon and fluorine to make a nice wavelength in the UVC spectrum. Put a little xenon and chlorine together, and it creates the perfect longer wavelength in the UVB spectrum for cardiovascular surgery and dermatology, which the latter is what Dean Irwin is doing at Raw Medical. And of course, I'm simplifying it here, Dean, but we'll get into the nitty gritty details as we progress in the show. But before we went to break, we really left off your journey where you were, in fact, starting to test the whole theory of the eczema laser use for unclogging arteries. Well, that's right. It came, it, and it was going very well, but we just didn't have the right materials to get the laser energy into the vasculature right. to the blockage. You were using glass that's to correct. transmit the, the ultraviolet. Essentially light. a very special type of fiber optic. Gotcha. So <clears throat> we shifted gears from the, at that point and decided to use the laser for another procedure called TMR, transmyocardial revascularization. 
And with that, we would actually drill holes, up to 60 holes, right through the left ventricle and perfuse the heart muscle from the inside oxygenated blood. And what was this for? Who would be the perfect use case for this? These were patients suffering from angina. Okay. So, you know, unable to really perform their daily duties because the pain, their chest pain, was so great from ischemic tissue of their heart. Okay. So <clears throat> that worked surprisingly well. We did a number of different patients. There were several competing technologies. What was really the holdback there was our understanding of the basics medical science behind the procedure. We didn't really know why it was working. We had a model that we called the reptilian model mm -hmm. that we were reperfusing the, the heart muscle from the inside out. But as it turns out, some very good researchers at Princeton and Rutgers figured out that we were just denervating the heart. Gotcha. In other words, we weren't really... You're we just cutting the nerves so they weren't feeling the pain. Right. It was not a therapeutic treatment. We were just making them feel no pain, which had some benefit. Right. But we certainly didn't need to use an Exmer laser to do that. So we dropped that project completely. Wow, that says a lot because you worked really hard to get to that point. And most entrepreneurs would say, gosh, we worked so hard. We got to do something with it. But you said, hey, you know what? It's not really doing it's not worth doing it for isn't. the patients. That, that's correct. There, there were other, much more simple technologies that should be applied to do that. And so we felt that, you know, that was misuse of the technology. And so what did you decide to focus on at that point instead? Well, at that same time, you know, when we never lost track of the arterial laser, okay. the atherosclerotic laser. But at that same time, some researchers from Harvard had mentioned to, to me and, and to the rest of the crew that... Someone in Hungary was treating patients who suffered from psoriasis with mm -hmm. the eczema laser. Oh, interesting. And so what that did, that was a form of phototherapy. Mm. But the wavelength of the laser was ideal. It fit right into what's called the action spectrum of the disease. In other words, it was the best wavelength to treat these disorders. So I built a prototype. I went out to Harvard Medical School and camped out and did a whole bunch of patients. And it really worked. It was it was beyond promising. You're kidding. And was this the, were you the first one to do this with the eczema laser? Well, the, there was the group of researchers in Hungary right. that treated a few patients and wrote a very small uh, little blurb in a British journal called The Lancet. So from there, we decided not to use an industrial laser, but to tailor a laser that would be appropriate gotcha. for dermatologists to use. And we did that. And in the year 2000, we got it FDA cleared to market. And so that kind of launched uh, that company. Which company was that? And this was a company called Photomedics, which okay. was which was the the spin up from Aculase from the first company back in 1991. So that that was the always, one that you were doing the arterial laser at. That's right. Okay. So it's still the same company, but now we have a new a new product, this dermatology product. Well, there were some issues with the marketing that I didn't feel were appropriate, and I left that company to, to start Raw Medical in 2002. Right. Here you are. You built this laser. They end up going public and they end up saying, hey, we're more focused on money. I, you know, leave the laser as is, but you're a scientist. So you want to go, you want to improve things, but they're saying, hey, no, let's leave it the way it is. Let's focus on the financials. Right. I figured that, you know, there's nothing wrong with a great Wall Street story, Right. but it has to be backed by real science and real good business sense. And I didn't feel that was the case. So I left them and started Raw Medical to directly compete. So I developed another, better 
dermatological laser. So you developed the first laser and then you developed the second laser. That's right. And, <laughs> and, and that's great improvement. Right. That's the way things should be. They should evolve. And, and that's what we did. And that's really what you wanted to do initially at the other company, but you didn't have the opportunity. So you wanted to, your real philosophy is, you know, smaller, faster, cheaper, more effective. Like you want to constantly improve technology. Right. And I want to meet the demands of the market. Right. And there were some serious limitations with the first laser. And it was interesting because when I, I talked about, you know, to one of the top healthcare venture capitalists uh, here in Silicon Valley, and I told him I was interviewing, um, you know, someone with a laser company, he said, whoa, whoa, watch out, not another laser company. There's so many laser companies. But then when I did research, uh, you know, there was a point in time where there were more than a dozen laser companies out there that were treating dermatological issues, but they seemed more on the cosmetology side of things, the optional, um, you know, side of things. Correct. So, right. Kim, those were aesthetic lasers. Right. So they were designed to treat things like um, uh, skin resurfacing, hair removal, right. basic aesthetic procedures. But there were a whole bunch of them, and then suddenly they all seemed to kind of dissipate. Well, and, and there are only a few, like a handful left. There were a lot of conditions that, that forced that to happen, <clears throat> one of which was the economic recession. Mm -hmm. So there were just too many companies with too many procedures <clears throat> that uh, that weren't reimbursed. So they were relying on people's disposable dollars. Right. Well, coming up right here, we're getting to Raw Medical's next big breakthrough, the brand new Dabra system, which unclogs arteries with ease. We'll hear from doctors who've used it and say people are losing limbs each day until it gets to market and they can have it on hand for every single procedure. They're looking forward to that. That's next right here. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. Dean Irwin, co-founder and CEO of Raw Medical Systems, has created an eczema laser that, not, that sends embarrassing skin conditions such as psoriasis and vitiligo into remission. I had the opportunity to talk with a couple of nurses at one dermatological facility that is using this laser and treating tons and tons of patients. I wanted to find out really if it truly does work, listen to what they had to say. So for my psoriasis patients, I've seen excellent results on the feet and the knees. And for my vitiligo patients, I've seen really good results on the face. Okay. So I had one young girl who came in and she had pretty extensive um, vitiligo on her face and she had been bullied at school and so um, mom brought her in and we decided to do the laser treatments on her and it worked really really great she was really happy with the results so we had another patient she was getting ready for her son's wedding but she unfortunately had psoriasis flare-ups on her feet and of course you got to look good for the wedding and so she wanted to wear high heels but she wasn't feeling comfortable with it. So she came to us, we started doing the laser therapy, and with a few weeks, she started getting the clearance she wanted. So she was able to finally enjoy her son's wedding in confidence, in the pretty high heels that she wanted, and it, it was a great great success story, just because that's a big deal with their son getting, uh, getting married, having that wedding, and so she was able to get her feet cleared and looking good. So Dean Irwin is here, co-founder of Raw Medical. You created this, this laser. What does it feel like? You hadn't heard these nurses before tell these stories of their patients. What's your reaction? Well, <clears throat> it's great. You know, it's very rewarding to uh, hear these success stories. I've been very fortunate that I've heard a lot of them over the past uh, 15 mm -hmm. to 16 years since I developed this technology. So it's wonderful to hear hear more. 
you know, uh, the, I think it's really these stories that had to have gotten you through because you've had a long, hard journey because your competition, which was the company, Photomatics, which originally was the one that you developed uh, one of these lasers for, they've been coming after you a lot since then. And you've had to wear so many hats. You've had to be a legal strategist. You've had to be your own HR. You've had, I mean, there's been a lot you've had to go through. That's right. Uh, their strategy was to try to sue me out of business. Right. So we had a lot of different lawsuits. Uh, fortunately, we preva- prevailed on all of them. And uh, we were able to <clears throat> finance the the legal attention that we needed. First, they told you that you couldn't say that you invented their laser. And then when you go to a trade show, you'd see that they're even saying that you invented. <laughs> That's right. That that made <laughs> quite an impact on the judge. Right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, th- these were essentially frivolous lawsuits. Yes. And uh, ultimately, we, we prevailed. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that has ended. That ended in uh, 2011. So uh, we've been five years uh, lawsuit free, which has been great. And it's really what I love is your approach, because really in the back of your mind, even though you've created this and you first created the dermatology laser, the ferrous laser, um, you've always had in the back of your mind a plan to go back to your roots, which was creating an arterial laser. That's right. You know, for decades, we've known that this wavelength of light can really help patients who suffer from these kinds of cardiovascular right. disease. Such as peripheral artery disease. You bet. It's a great application for the technology. We just don't have the right materials and the science to get the laser energy there. Right. You didn't have that back in the 1990s and even in 2002 when you launched Raw Medical. That's correct. So, you know, myself and the, my team uh, worked to develop a means to get it there. And, and we actually did that. So instead of using glass, we decided to use a liquid to get the energy from the laser what to was the, the aha, What was the aha moment for you where you said, wait a minute, let's not use glass, let's go to the liquid? Well, you know, as you know, the Exmer laser breaks down molecular bonds. Right. Well, it wants to break down molecular bonds in just about everything. Oh. That's the problem. Yes. So there are very few materials that will transmit this energy. So as it turns out, uh, water and slight uh, variations of water is a great transmitter of this light. So what we needed to do was package that up into something that was similar to a fiber optic, but not made of glass, but made of water. And we've been able to do that. Now, paint the picture for us, just so people kind of understand how this works. And you were telling me about the Las Vegas fountains. So use that analogy. Yes. So effectively, our catheter is a plastic tube, a fairly small plastic tube that has little windows on each end to hold the liquid in. And inside is a very small column of liquid. Mm-hmm. That liquid transmits the light just like a fiber optic would or just like uh, the Bellagio fountains uh, would uh, contain the light for their show. Now, you weren't the, the first to market. Actually, when, back in the 90s when you were developing the arterial laser using glass, you had several others, including your current greatest competitor, which was first to market, Spectronetics. That's right. In fact, there were three three companies – uh, here in the U.S. and one company in Europe, again, it was a great idea. We knew that this technology was good. Right. It was a race to see who could who could build it first and who could build it w- in a device that would meet the needs of the market. Everyone chose glass. And unfortunately, uh, even for our competitors today, it's it's too slow, too expensive, 
and it just doesn't get enough of the energy to where you need it uh, to be a really successful tool. Now, that's not to say it doesn't work because it mm-hmm. does, but it's just not the tool that everyone was promised. How so? Well, it, it again, it's too slow. Right. It's too expensive. It can't quite cut through those really difficult hard calcium plaques that are are prevalent, particularly in the peripherals. Right. The spectronetics one has more of a, if you can imagine, a shower head where the water is kind of flowing through with little speckles that, you know, the shower head versus a garden hose where it goes straight through. That's correct. And that's what you have with that's your right. lasers. That's right. It's made hose. up of a fiber optic bundle, very tiny little pieces little of glass holes, in a sense. put together to deliver the energy. And that makes it flexible enough to overcome the need or the problem of the torturous uh, anatomy. So... So How they, is okay? Go ahead. So they can get it through the arteries, but the problem is what they're getting uh, to the end result is just not as desirable as it, as it could be. So we came up with a way to make it as flexible or even more flexible, but at the same time not have those losses and completely ablate what's in front of it. So we can go through all the different kinds of materials. We really work. Mm-hmm. It removes the plaque very quickly, which is important because the physicians are under X-rays, and it's very inexpensive. In addition to all that, we find that the eczema laser catheter, our DABRA, also keeps the physicians out of trouble. It doesn't have a lot of adverse events. In fact, in our uh, pilot study, we did not have a single adverse event. So, wow. Now that's rare. It is. It is. So it's very easy to use. Unlike some of the rotor technologies or some of the other uh, mechanical technologies, it's very safe for the patient. That's interesting. You, I, I'm always skeptical of these technologies when I come to market, and so I like to go to the the source where the people are actually using this. And so I was able to talk to um, the doctors in Tijuana, Mexico, at XL Medical Center. That was the hospital that you first were able to to try out your technology, and it was interesting to hear what they had to say about um, the impact that they think that this laser will bring to their patients. Let's take a listen. More than, uh, when we're talking about extremities, more than life and death, it's having your limb or not having your limb. Of course, can make a difference. Uh, if the vessels get occluded, the more distant the vessel that gets occluded, more in jeopardy your, your extremity is. Let's say you occlude the distal vessels below the knee, especially in a diabetic patient, it's a tremendous possibility that sooner or later you're going to lose your extremity. And on those, it can be life-saving, this procedure. More than life-saving, you know, because we can produce, we can proceed to do an amputation. But more than, it, more than that, you know, to be able to walk with other prosthesis and having um, the patient, uh, his or her legs. So basically what the doctor is saying, and that's uh, Dr. Ernesto Rodriguera. That was Dr. Uh, Jose Hernandez. Oh, that was Dr. Jose. Owner, yeah, the, I'm trying to listen to which hospital. one. Yes, that was the owner of the hospital. He's also a doctor. So what he was saying um, is is basically they went ahead and they used your laser to try to unclog the arteries in you know their patient's legs. That's correct. And <clears> because <throat> these, these patients had blockages that were could lead them to getting their leg amputated. Oh yes, these patients were in in very serious uh, medical condition. Uh, their blockages were total blockages, and their limbs were in some cases turning black. Right. So th- there was an urgent need to either help these patients or uh, or amputate. And there are a bunch of devices on the market. You were talking earlier about the rotor rooter types. So they go through and they go. Zzz, 
you know, and try and bust their way through and drill their way through, et cetera, et cetera. But what the doctors were telling me, both doctors were telling me, is that they they wouldn't, they wouldn't work. That's right. You know, not all patients are going to be candidates for some of these other procedures. Right. In fact, uh, these patients were not candidates for surgery. Uh, bypass surgery can be done on some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these lesions were so tough, so long that uh, some of these uh, rotor-rooter technologies and, and other crossing technologies just weren't applicable. So there was really no option left for these patients. And my favorite story, there was a, a, a woman there about 4'11", and she had a 25-centimeter occlusion that was in her leg. I mean, imagine that. That's huge. <laughs> and, and the funniest thing was what you were saying was that, oh, my God, if I would have known, I would not, <laughs> I would not have used the laser on that, but it was gl- it was lucky you did. Because it was. It turned out it to worked. be a, a very difficult case, but he was it, ready to send her to amputation. Yes, yes. Her she she like I said, she was in real trouble, and she had been neglected for for quite some period of time. Uh, we really didn't expect she, you know, any of these patients to have twenty five centimeters worth of calcium. Right, and it's now a year later, and she, um, when I saw her, she was walking a little bit with a cane, but she was walking, and then I just found out that she is walking without a cane. That's correct. It's a, what a great story. With no stents. Now, here's another surprise for me. Usually, stents are used alongside these, uh, these other technologies when they go to unclog the arteries, but no stents have been used in the patient so far? That's correct. Not so far, and, <clears throat> and we think that that trend might continue. We've seen a little bit of uh, plaque remodeling in these procedures where uh, it tends to uh, not be so stiff and and tough. So the the outcomes are really fantastic today. Well, coming up next, more from Dean Irwin on his overnight success, 15 years in the making. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back. With us is the creator of two eczema lasers that are changing people's lives. The Pharos laser, which is treating people with what used to be a life sentence of embarrassment with skin disorders such as psoriasis and vitiligo. And the Dabra system, which has so far saved six people from having their limbs amputated and has recently received FDA approval to start clinical trials in the U.S. So far, the clinical trials have taken place at XL Medical Center in Tijuana, Mexico. Let's listen in to the head of the hospital, Dr. Jose Hernandez, and hear what he thinks of this laser. Is there anything else that you have observed with these, the laser and your desire to have one at the hospital that you'd like to add? Well, number one, uh, I was surprised of how simple they opened the vessels and uh, in 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 long uh, uh, obstructions. Usually a vessel, w- when you have a vessel, you have several possibilities. You have your, you know, st- stricture that's limited to a quarter of an inch, sometimes, you know, half an inch or one inch, mm-hmm. I- and it could be total or subtotal occlusion. When it's total occlusion, the only thing that could work is the laser because they open the lumen. They cannot do the other interventional uh, procedures. Uh, they could try probably, but it's more difficult, like a rotoblator and then put a catheter, then dilate, then stenting or whatever. And the laser, it's just, it opens slow, steadily and, and relatively fast. That's what I was impressed. When I do the, ang- in the last two or three procedures, I was, I was not in the lab, but I saw the films. 
Uh, and I, I was really pleased to see how looks normal. When you should look at the vessel, looks normal. When you do stentings, you always see the mesh and those things that are there. Um, I think it's a, it's a procedure that is going to have great application in the clinical field. In, uh, it's proved by, uh, by different companies that are trying to get into this uh, market. And I think Dean is one of the pioneers in the area, and we're happy that he's close by here in San Diego, and we became kind of friends now that we've been working on this uh, laser. So obviously the key is, Dean, to get the laser in the hands of these interventional cardiologists to use it, but I would think that there would be a lot of resistance because several that I have talked to just in researching for this show, the Spectronetics, which is your greatest competition, they had the first laser to market, there is a, a little bit of a bad reputation, you know, for the laser because it's just, it's clunky, hard to use, it's expensive. So how do you combat that and get rid of this resistance and get these into the hands of the doctors to use? Well, Kim, you're absolutely right. And and that's a, a minor hurdle for us. Minor. And, and the reason it's minor is there really aren't any good solutions to these problems of total occlusions or even uh, significant uh, partial occlusions. And we've got a new technology. Fortunately, interventional cardiologists, interventional radiologists, and vascular surgeons are very quick to try new technologies and new devices. Oh, really? And that's because there aren't great solutions today. So what's next for the, the DABRA system? I mean, I could imagine that above and beyond the peripheral artery disease, I could see it being used for the heart and unclogging arteries there as well. That's correct. We see a, a lot of uh, cardiovascular applications, as well as applications unclogging stents called instant restenosis. Really? So, so that's what's going to be next. That's a huge problem with stents. It is. It's a big problem. And, uh, and I think that we've got a great solution. Do you think this will replace stents? Well, that's good. that <laughs> remains to be seen. It's a good question. <clears throat> that remains to be seen. But certainly there are so many stents out there that are becoming clogged up, that a solution's needed to help those patients as well. So bring us, you know, to to the cath lab. Like, when does a doctor actually decide once they go in the cath lab that that they which device they're going to use and that they are in fact going to use this laser versus anything else out there? Well, I think it really comes down to how the patient presents itself. Uh, when when the patient's on the table, you first start the intervention as a diagnostic procedure. So you're looking around trying to find out what the, exactly what the problem is. And they typically start off with a wire and try to cross a, the lesion with wire. their guide wire and try mm-hmm. to essentially poke through the lesion. If the lesion can't be crossed with the wire, then a different technology is selected. There are a number of different crossing technologies. But again, you want something that's very effective that keeps the doctor away from trouble, like adverse events, perforating, dissection, things like that. You need it to be a pretty quick procedure because they're under these x-rays. And lastly, it needs to be economical. And I think we've got the solution for all four of those problems. And here's the big question. I mean, this is not an elective procedure. I mean, unless you want to lose a limb. I mean, then you could look at it as, well, you know, elective. But it's really not. These are emergency situations. So how does a, a patient... No, I mean whether or not their their doctor has these latest and greatest in technologies, especially when something is so quick and last minute. 
Well, for peripheral artery disease, we're very fortunate because it's not an emergency situation. Oh, that isn't. So, so they go to their cardiologist. Unless they wait too long. That's correct. And then it, then it becomes uh, more right. of an emergency. So they go to their cardiologist uh, who refers them to an interventional cardiologist. And it's really difficult because they really need to do their homework. Now, keep in mind that most of these interventionalists know all of the tools and have quite an armamentarium at their disposal. And they're always going to pick the best tool for the, for the patient. But many of them aren't going to have every tool available. So it's very important for the patient to do their homework. Yeah, and make sure that they get a second opinion and know the different procedures out there before they go in. That's a great idea. That's exactly what they should do. Thank you so much, Dean Irwin, co-founder and CEO of Raw Med. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. For more on this week's guest, Dean Irwin, and his lasers, go to rawmed.com, R-A-M-E-D. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. This has been Kim McNicholas on Innovation. You can connect with Kim on Facebook forward slash Kim McNicholas or email Kim McNicholas at gmail.com. Be sure to join us again next Friday at 1 for Kim McNicholas on Innovation. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.